This is Generation Justice, a multimedia movement that trains youth to harness the power of media for social change. I'm Kateri Zuni. And I'm George Luna Pena. New Mexicans have a deep connection to the land that goes back centuries. Tonight, we'll hear from community organizations who work to maintain that connection, especially when it's threatened. First, we get updates from Lorraine Archibald and Juan Reynosa on the Santolina Master Plan development that is threatening our community. They'll talk to us a bit about how we can have our voices heard on this important issue. We'll also get to know Talking Talents Youth Leadership, an environmental education program working to instill leadership in New Mexico's youth by building connections to environment and wildlife. We'll talk to Betsy Fullreader of Talking Talons to learn more about the organization and the Youth Environmental Summit that's coming up. We also have a jam-packed community calendar to keep you busy through the week. So stay with us as we start things off with our first song of the evening. Here is FQC number 7 by Willow Smith. The Center for Social Sustainable Systems, or CESOS, is an organization that serves community through advocacy, policy development, research, and education. CESOS strives to empower community by raising awareness on social justice issues and promoting critical thinking and entrepreneurship. They've been a leader in the fight against the Santolina Master Plan. The Southwest Organizing Project, or SWAP, organizes with low-income communities of color to empower and protect people and land. SWAP is also a fierce opponent of the Santolina Master Plan and has organized against this development since its introduction. Here's Polly Danette-Claw speaking with Lorraine Archibald, an organizer for water rights education from CESOS, and Juan Reynosa, field organizer from SWAP. My name is Polly Danette-Claw, Generation Justice Fellow. I'm with Lorraine Archibald from the Center for Social Sustainable Systems and Juan Reynosa from the Southwest Organizing Project. Welcome to Generation Justice. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having us. Can you both please just introduce yourselves? Okay, well, my name is Lorraine, and I work with CESOS, the Center for Social Sustainable Systems, um, whose focus is on preserving traditional ways of life and related to water and agriculture in the South Valley of Albuquerque. Um, I just received my MA in Latin American Studies, and I studied planning, uh, which got me involved with uh, the Santolina and Contra Santolina movement. Juan Reynosa, originally from southern New Mexico, Hobbs, New Mexico, uh, oil and gas community. And I am now currently the environmental justice organizer at the Southwest Organizing Project, where we work on a variety of issues from youth integration to uh, environmental issues, many things around social justice. And can you both just give us a brief description of what the Santa Luna Master Plan actually is? Man, <laughs> it's such a mammoth thing. It's hard to really, you know, group it into something. But I mean, essentially the way I tell someone if they haven't heard about it before is that there's some land that used to be the Atrisco land grant that's been bought out and passed around a couple times. It was bought cheaply by Barclays Bank out of England, who has obviously a lot of money. And now they're working with developers from here in Arizona to try to develop this gigantic uh 
housing project in the area that would build about 30,000 homes and bring about 90,000 more people to the area. And this would be up in the West Mesa area of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, I would just add that this development plan wasn't born out of planners within Albuquerque, and it doesn't really follow um, the typical like way that cities are developing, and which is tending to reinvest in like the urban areas and revitalize. And so it kind of just doesn't fit. Two of the biggest issues that folks have had with this is the threat to our local water resource. Mm -hmm. A lot of farmers first initially came out um, very concerned about this because it's essentially carry on the traditional farming ways in the South Valley or build this gigantic development that's going to use 20 million gallons of water uh, a day. And the second piece, which is starting to unveil itself more and more, even though we knew it was going to happen, is now they're going to be trying to use up to $2.6 billion with a B of our taxpayer dollars, which is crazy because all of last year, the folks who were pushing this development never said they would be using uh, taxpayer dollars. They kept using this term called no net expense, which is a condition they must meet for the county to approve this. Yet now they filed for 40 TIDs, tax increment development districts that could total $2.6 billion. And in what other ways could this development impact our city and our community? Well, the the biggest threat that we're worried about is is water and, and um, specifically the threat to the acequias. These systems allow for people in the South Valley and throughout New Mexico and even in Colorado and Texas to sustain themselves in a desert region. And so the threat to that has a lot of repercussions besides just the farmers, you know. And so it's actually a threat to one of the most valuable lasting resources in, in the community. Yeah, local agriculture means local economies. And so you're killing a local economy by drying out that that piece of uh, our culture and tradition that's been here for generations. And, and that's very important to us. I mean, that's a big part of this fight, why we were really fighting for it. Money or the spirit of our hearts, you know, and that's really what we're, we're dealing with. But to give some other uh, examples, you know, APS School Board has come out against this because they have noted that places like a three-school heritage high school, exactly where they want to build, is one of the most overcapacity high schools in the state. So it would make a lot more sense to be spending that type of money to help build out that school and its students who are already there, who need that help, rather than building four new schools in an area that has no population yet. What has happened within the last year with the Santolina Master Plan? I think that's a question that a lot of people are asking, including myself. (laughs) This thing is moving so fast, it's hard to keep up with. So we last year, they were going over the master plan part A. That went through the county planning commission, pretty much flew through with flying colors, a lot of community resistance there, a lot of technical analysis brought to those folks um, about why the, the master plan level A was flawed and still needed a lot of pieces addressed. They passed it. Um, then it went to the county commission. And now starting this year, as soon as the year started, they started scheduling hearings. That way, uh, Part B could start being uh, put into effect, despite the fact that uh, SWAP and a few other organizations have filed a lawsuit because we really feel like the level A part was not done right at all. There's many missing pieces, planned community criteria, pieces that just aren't there that supposedly, according to law, have to be there in order for it to move forward. And so while part of the level A is in court hearing, we're also trying to have to deal with them already pushing for the part B through the county planning commission and county commission right now. 
I went to one of the hearings um, that you're speaking of, the first one in which uh, we had a march and a protest led by tractors all the way down through downtown and into the courthouse and over 300 people signed up to speak and they didn't know how to handle that many people and it was so angering and baffling and they just stalled and they stalled all day until barely anyone could say anything and they said come back tomorrow and there were people from all over the state from all over different communities tribes reservations and they weren't going to be able to take another day off from their lives and so the community participation hasn't been as strong as it was since that day and it felt like it was silenced. And Juan, this morning you attended a hearing on Santolina. Can you tell us about what happened at that hearing? So the plan is for the County Planning Commission to have three hearings on a few different subject matters and then they've already told themselves that last hearing they're going to make a decision. Um, and so people are, were going in there saying there's so much information uh, around zoning. I mean zoning and land use is such a big piece of this. Um, at the hearing before that, people from the New Mexico Department of Transportation noticed what they saw as serious issues in the plan that hadn't been addressed. I asked the question to the, the board, like, what happens after this? You haven't scheduled another hearing to follow up on these issues. They're unresolved, obviously. So, And so people repeatedly have been asking for more hearings and more content to be covered. They're not even talking about the tax dollars being spent right now. You would think if uh, somebody wants to spend $2.6 billion of New Mexican money, that would at least be a topic of conversation. At this point, they're making up excuses so we don't talk about it. But what happened at today's hearing is they're saying, oh, the third hearing next month, all of a sudden there's like 12 different subject matters on this hearing. And Commissioner Kelly, she noted that. She's like, I'm really concerned that next month's hearing got about 10 things for us to talk about. And you guys aren't even considering having another hearing. And then y'all want to go back the next month and make a decision. And they're only giving us one hearing to discuss zoning for the biggest development ever proposed for Albuquerque. The developers of Santolina have been tied to local elections. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I mean, everything is political in New Mexico, but this is definitely political. It's obvious who's already had their mind made up about this from the get-go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been big news, right? Uh, Stephen Michael Casada has gotten a lot of money from a, the people who are directly pushing Santalina, and I appreciate being able to see that information. You know, it's one, at least one thing we've gotten to in New Mexico is at least being able to see when people make these donations and how it links to all of these bigger pictures. The reason why the County Planning Commission has four hearings set up that end in June is because that enables them enough time to pass it off to the County Commission in July. That way they get it passed before Art De La Cruz is out of office because they know of, that there may be a candidate in there that if they win, they may not let Santalina pass because it's right now at a 3-2 vote at the county commission, right? And so if one of those votes swings the other way, then Santalina's dead. And they're trying to avoid that at all costs. And so not only are they trying to have this very uh, expedited timeline during the hearing process this year, they're also, you can see the people who are pushing it, who have big money, are now pushing big money into the, into the race. What are the next steps for this plan to move forward? So, like I said, uh, part of it's in legal proceedings. And so what our hope is, is that the judge is going to hear our legal arguments and say, yeah, actually, they didn't do master plan level A right. There's a lot of missing gaps that they need to go back and address. So our first hope would be that the judge would remand the level A and we'd have to start the process all over again. Uh, but as I said earlier, they're already trying to push the second part of this while the court cases are going on. So that's plan level B. 
And so right now it's front in front of the County Planning Commission. Uh, this was the second of four hearings that they've scheduled for us. We're hoping to have uh, a couple more hearings, but it doesn't look like they're going to give us to that to us. From there, once they give a recommendation to the county commission, it'll go in front of the county commission. Last year, I think we had three or four hearings with them. And so I would assume it'd probably be the same way with them probably making a decision towards the end of the year. Thank you for that one. Um, I really appreciate you breaking that down for us. Um, over the past year, SESOS and SWAP have both been doing a lot of organizing work around Santolina. So can you tell us about some of this work? SESOS has created an initiative over the past year called um, El Agua Sagrada. And within it is a project called the Water Rights Educational Project, or REP. And the goal of REP is to really def help defend the South Valley for the long term against Santolina and either, even other future developments um, by assisting people to declare their water rights uh, when they can and helping them put their land to beneficial use so that they can keep their water rights. And in the meantime, educating the community at different levels, youth, adults, appreciate all that they have in the South Valley as water being a resource and the possibilities um, of putting land to good use and and the healing powers that that has and how it can really um change someone's perspective on on their community and their lives. And so this is something that CESOS is really focused on as a strategy against Santolina. But when it comes to direct actions, CESOS has been supportive of, of Contra Santolina um, along with our separate initiative. Uh, yeah, well, let me first off say that I got mad love for CESOS. They've been such a great partner in this fight against Santolina. I don't know if we could have done it without them. They keep me strong. So thank you, CESOS. Um, Speaking on SWAT's behalf, we've done a lot of community forums and we pointedly throw those in the South Valley. That the way the people who are going to be impacted will be able to have access to these meetings. And we bring our, our experts and talk about the plan. We talk about, you know, what we think is happening. We get feedback from the community. Uh, we've also done a lot of uh, rallies trying to get people out. We do a lot of media around this. So we're trying to make this information as accessible to people. That way they can understand what's happening and be able to go and be engaged in the process. Awesome. Thank you both for um, talking about the work that you guys are doing um, to really bring awareness around Santolina. How can the community get involved in this conversation if they want to? I know it's hard to get out to these hearings. They're Thursdays or Tuesday mornings at nine in the morning. But if you can come out and make it and get your voice heard, we would really appreciate it. It feels so good to have our people on our side when there's 50 people in suits getting paid hundreds of dollars an hour to be there um, and building solidarity and even just being able to laugh with someone in the audience and feed off each other means a whole lot in this process. But we're always having, like I said, Frito Pie Fundraiser Fridays where you can just come and talk to people, have some food and learn about the process. We'll be probably doing another uh, community uh, information session here soon. And um, I'm sure as these things come along, we're probably going to throw another big rally. We would love to see all your awesome faces there marching with us down the street because I think that good energy um, and also that presence of all of our community is really what they need to see to learn that, you know, we want to have a voice in this and we're not going to stand back until we do. I would um, urge anyone that if they have any spare time at all to really dedicate just a, a moment to maybe write to their commissioner and um, list the reasons why they personally don't want Santolina to be passed and and just get their voice heard in that way if they can't make it to, to the hearings. Uh, we've started 
Asekia Talk and Walks. Once a, once a month, we meet to have a discussion led by a local elder um, of that particular Asekia, and then we go on a walk. And so the next one will be June 25th at Holy Family Church in, on, off of Atrisco and Foothill slash Five Points in the South Valley. And that's well where the talk will begin, and then we will walk along the Atrisco Asekia. And before we wrap up this interview, is there anything else you guys would like to add? Yeah, I would just add that how, how special it is to be living here at this moment and defending uh, water in this way because acequias are traditionally a, a part of New Mexico, something that keeps communities together and really strong. But ever since urban encroachment in this area for the past hundred years, that's kind of fallen apart more than it has in, say, like northern New Mexico. And so defending the acequias needs to be done even without Santalin in the picture. But when you throw that in there on all fronts, you know, there's a lot, a lot going on. So I think um, it's important to remember that development, urban development is going to continue to happen and you have to stay true to your roots and, and your values and, and protect what's um, always been there and what we need to survive. Burke and New Mexico are beautiful, unique places. People come here for a reason and we don't want to lose that. Santalina is a threat to that very essence of our spirit here in New Mexico. Um, people here are more connected to the land a lot of times than they are to money. And uh, that only reinforces our cultures and traditions linked to the land and the water. And it also nourishes us in a lot of different ways. And that's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for us, our people, and self-preservation. And I appreciate you both for bringing up, you know, water is life, you know. Being a Diné woman, I'm really like connected to the water and connected to the land. Um, and we do dry farming all the time. Oh. And yeah, and so um, I really appreciate what you both have been doing to defend the land and the water here in New Mexico. It is always our environment and our connection to this place over money every single time. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for coming to Generation Justice and really talking about the Santalina Master Plan and what it is and how it can negatively affect our community. Thank you so much for having us and for giving attention to this issue. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. For Generation Justice, I'm Polly Janeklaw. Lorraine and Juan, thank you so much for all the tireless work that you do to protect our land and our water. I love how you include the knowledge you learn from elders to inform those arguments against this development. And I also really appreciate that your work comes from a place of love for our people and our community because really it's our greatest weapon. You both really helped me better understand what is often a purposefully complicated process. Juan, I also appreciate you giving us the bigger picture in terms of Santolina, political donations, and the upcoming elections. That's right. In fact, George, a recent Albuquerque Journal t article titled Contributors with Ties to Santolina Donate to Shape Burn Co. Commission talks about this very thing. Yeah, Cater, you know, I saw that. The article pointed out that two of the three District 2 candidates for the Bernalillo County Commission, Stephen Michael Casada and Robert Chavez, have received donations from a political action committee with ties to the Santolina Master Plan, while the third candidate, Adrian Pedrosa, has not. To stay updated on the Santolina Master Plan, you can visit the Contra Santolina Facebook page. Our next song is Por las Acequias by Mariel Trimaglio.
la vendimia se vuelve fiesta y por los lagares la tierra sueña entre los cogollos amanecidos nació esta cueca nació esta cueca entre los cogollos amanecidos At Generation Justice we strive to empower youth using the tool of media because we know that amplifying youth voices empowers our whole community Talking Talents Youth Leadership is a New Mexico organization that uses environmental education and immersion to achieve similar goals. Betsy Fulrader is the co coordinator of the Youth Advisory Council for Talking Talents and their upcoming Youth Summit. Now, here's my co-host, Kateri Zuni, speaking with Betsy about the work of Talking Talents and their Youth Summit just around the corner. This is Kateri Zuni with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Betsy Fulrader, the coordinator of the Youth Advisory Council and Youth Summit for Talking Talons Youth Leadership. Welcome to Generation Justice, Betsy. Will you please introduce yourself? Hi, yes, my name is Betsy and I graduated from University of New Mexico. Last year, I designed my own major in sustainability and environmental restoration. And then immediately after graduating, I got a job with Talking Talons Youth Leadership Program. I wear a lot of different hats, so I have many different jobs. So first I was a conservation crew leader, then I was a coordinator for a career fair, then I became a Bernalillo educator teaching the Talking Towns curriculum with non-releasable animals, and now I'm the coordinator for the Youth Advisory Council. So I do a lot of things. This is just a really cool cycle that has happened, but Talking Towns came to, to Santa Fe, New Mexico when I was in fourth grade at Santa Fe School of the Arts and Sciences. So I received this program and as growing up, I thought, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to work with animals and do outreach with kids. And I wasn't really sure, and now here I am giving outreach. And I'm one of those educators talking to kids with animals. Awesome. So you are, are a product of the organization. Yep, I really am. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here again, Betsy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And can you tell us a little bit more about Talking Talons and the program itself? Talking Town started in 1989. A woman named Wendy Eshelman started it, and she was a nurse at Roosevelt Middle School. And, you know, she really liked working with youth, but she also had a raptor's license and did rehabilitation with animals. So she decided to link them together. And so she started doing presentations with students. So there, the program was really, really small. It wasn't really a program yet. And then in I believe it was 1990, she went through the whole process of making it a nonprofit, and then they moved the program. It was in Roosevelt Middle School, and then they moved it to the animal hospital right across the street, and they started collecting animals, and they got up to like 15 raptors and 100 different bats and 10 reptiles. So mm -hmm. it was like a huge program. It was like turning into a zoo almost. Yeah. I mean, that was the direction they were going in. But then they moved the program over to Route 66. And so now we have a couple birds, 20 bats, and like four reptiles. But we still really engage youth. That's like our whole purpose is empowering youth and raising the next generation of conservationists. Wonderful. That sounds like a really great effort that you're making. Thanks. So can we talk a little bit about the kinds of activities that uh, youth get to participate in at Talking Talents? Yes. So we have a lot of different opportunities. First, 
In the summer, we have a conservation crew coming up. We had one last summer at Valle de Oro National Wildlife Refuge, but this year it's going to be in the Sandia Mountains, and they're going to be doing work that's requested by the Forest Service. So it'll be ages 18 to 25. It's going to be really great work and trail building and all kinds of things. And then YAC, the Youth Advisory Council, we have been awarded for a second year of YAC. So we'll be starting it again in October for another year. And this is really important, students, if you are interested in this, because you will get a certificate of active participation for being a part of YAC. And this is great for networking, to go on your resume. If you want to meet potential employers um, and you get this intimate kind of relationship with professionals and you get to ask them questions, get their contact information. And there's so many doors open to youth than I think many youth think there is. One thing I want to add, Mm -hmm. we also do outreach with our animals, non-releasable animals, with Albuquerque Community Foundation. We talk to community centers and Title I homeless kids. And we um, either take them on field trips, like we're going to the tramway this summer, as well as Carlito Springs. And then I also go and visit their classrooms and bring in animals. And we talk about the water cycle and toxins in the food chain and the web of life. So we do a lot of things like that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. What kinds of animals are non-release animals? Good question. Non-releasable animals mean they can't survive alone in the wild. So, for example, our raptors, some of them have a hurt wing or they're going blind and they wouldn't be able to survive. Same with, for example, our reptiles. Even though they were born in a pet store, and we may not see that as a handicap, really, but being raised in captivity means they have no practice surviving. They can't catch their prey or run from predators. Mm. So if you have a snake and it's been in your house and you've been taking care of it for a while, if you let it go into the wilderness, it'll probably get eaten really quickly or starve. So... I know that one of the goals of Talking Talons is to promote leadership. Why is it important to foster young leaders through environmental education? It's really important to first to empower youth. From such a young age, the reason why we're called Talking Talons is because we go in and teach kids about these animals and then using them, the animals, we have the kids teach other younger kids about the animals. So they're talking about the talents. They're talking about the animals. And having this ability to speak in the environment and about wildlife and then have these experiences in nature and to be connected, have something that you care about, it starts creating someone who really cares about the environment and wants to make a difference. And only those people will grow up and maybe want to be the next conservationist in the Forest Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And even if they don't, even if they grow up to be like an engineer, I mean, an engineer can be a conservationist or they may do robotics or something. But the point is, is when they vote, if there's something in the ballot about, do you want this national park to be protected? Or do you think we need access to this wilderness reserve? Or should we make homes or, or protect it? You know, those kinds of questions, if people don't hear about them or know about them, then they tend to forget about them. And 
maybe say, oh, well, we could use some nice homes, which is also good too, but it's really good for everyone to understand the balance that we need between nature and infrastructure. I like how you say that no matter what field they go into later, those kinds of experiences that they get with you guys will really benefit them in their decision-making. I think that's really similar to what we do here at Generation Justice, kind of setting up youth to flourish no matter what their career will be. Yeah, core values that are important to life in general. And so what do youth learn from participating in Talking Talons? Well, first, they learn about wildlife and they learn about the environment. Our different programs are focused towards different things. In our outreach where we bring in animals, that's more focused towards empowering their voice and teaching about the animal and then using it for them to talk to their family and friends about the animals and why they want to protect them. But in Yak, when we don't really use animals, it's more to empower youth voice and say, these agencies want to hear what you have to say. And this is your point. They're going to view background on the situation and the problem or the dilemma or this new thing that they want to propose, and they want your feedback. And that's a big thing. When students realize that what they have to say is actually going to be heard and then put into plan, and they're going to see it in the next three years, that's a really big thing, and it's really empowering. Having that something that you did make, making a difference and you know you were a part of it, it's almost like it's like a big self-esteem booster. And that's something that we need for our youth. And it's a big world, starting in high school, I mean, even in elementary, going to high school, going to college, graduating. Oh, my goodness, what do you do next? So having this really strong youth who can speak up for themselves, who know where they want to go and know how to voice their opinion is very, very important. And that's what we work for. Awesome. Will you tell us more about the Youth Summit that's coming up? Yes. So, Yak, we've been having monthly meetings once a month. And we've had like National Park Service, Forest Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and MRGE3 with Storytelling, and Bernalillo County all come and talk to these students. The Youth Summit is June 4th from 10 to 4. It will be at Pekeke Open Space Center. We're planning to start promptly at 10, but the important part is 10 to 12 will be the students reporting out to the agencies about what they thought and in different groups. Then 12 to 12.30 will be thank yous and recognitions and where they're going to get their certificates. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a little break. Then from 1 to 3 will be workshops. And there's a really important workshop. It's going to be at 1 o'clock that I think everyone should come attend. Don Shapiro is going to be there, and he's doing this great workshop on the man who planted trees. He's going to show a video, and it's all about finding your purpose in life and how you can make a difference in the environment and nature and the movie is a half hour long and then a half hour discussion so i think it's going to be really good yeah that sounds great and can anyone participate in that or do you have to be a member of talking talent thank you for asking this is a community event so everyone is welcome bring your families students so this is a great time if you have questions for professionals they'll be there happy to talk to you also, we're partnering this event with MRGE3 Move Outside. Let's move outside. They're going to be there as well with like 30 partners or so. Wonderful. And how can people get more information about Talking Talons or the Youth Summit? 
a great way to do that would be to email me. My email address is nifwif, N as in Nancy, F as in Frank, W as in wildlife, F as in Frank, nifwif at talkingtalons.com. And I'll be happy to send more information, but we would love to have you guys. Great. And Betsy, is there anything else that you want to share with us? Please come to our youth summit. It'd be really fun to have you. Thank you for listening. Um, if you guys want to be involved with Talking Talons, we have volunteering opportunities for youth. And even adults, if you're interested, you just come and call Talking Talons, and we will be happy to help you out. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for coming out and sharing this with us. I think it sounds like Talking Talons is a really great organization, and I, for one, definitely appreciate your work around youth and empowering the youth of New Mexico, so thank you. For Generation Justice, I'm Kateri Zuni. Kateri, what an awesome interview with a group doing amazing work here in New Mexico. Shout out to Talking Talons. Betsy, it was a pleasure to interview you and to see the passion and energy that you have for the work of Talking Talons. The values of youth leadership and environmental education really go hand in hand, and I appreciate your respect for wildlife and for our natural surroundings. Now, here is Bach's The Cello Song performed by the Piano Guys. Betsy chose this song because it's beautiful and inspirational. Welcome back to Generation Justice, where tonight we've heard from Lorraine Archibald of Sesos and Juan Reynosa of Swap as they updated us on the Santolina Master Plan. We also got the scoop on Talking Talons Youth Leadership and their Youth Summit coming up in June. Now let's join Tamara Kalaki and Edwin Rivetta for this week's Community Calendar. Thanks, George and Catery. It is now time for our Community Calendar. I'm Tamara Kalaki. And I'm Edwin Rivera. We're here to spread the word about awesome events happening this week. I'm so thrilled. What's coming soon, Edwin? I'm glad you asked, Tamara. Right around the corner is a fellowship application deadline for the Cultivando Nuestro Futuro Leadership Institute with CESOS. The deadline is Tuesday, May 31st. I recently attended the presentations of their past fellowship cohort. It was a special community learning experience. That's really cool. You got to connect with them. It sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah, really. And I think the next cohort will definitely benefit from this program. CESOS is looking for those interested in a community work, land, and water issues, and most importantly, people who are committed to New Mexico. For more information, please contact Virginia Necochea at 505-304-8724. Hey, Tamara, what do you think about Intel Corporation? Hmm, when I think of Intel, I think of corporate greed and too much employee layoffs. Why do you think that? Well, I think it's because at a young age, I experienced the frustration of a relative who was laid off from Intel. I later found out that she was let go because the company had hired international employees for a lower wage. Wow, that is really unfair. I agree, Edwin. Intel definitely needs to be accountable for the welfare of its employees, no matter where they come from. 
A perfect place to voice your opinions on this topic is at the upcoming Twitter Town Hall. There will be discussions on the current status of Intel in Rio Rancho and decades-long fight against corporate welfare in New Mexico. Intel Inside New Mexico, a corporate welfare love story, which is a webinar, will be hosted by the Southwest Organizing Project. It will be held online on Thursday, June 2nd at 4 p.m. To join the webinar and Twitter Town Hall, check out their Twitter page called at Sopista. For more information, please contact SWAP at 505-247-8832 or email them at swap at swap.net. Hey Edwin, did you like story time growing up? Yeah, I still do, but now I read to my little cousins. Well, I think Books to Art for Kids is a great spot for the family to enjoy story time together. Is that happening at the Indian Public Cultural Center on June 4th from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m.? Yes, that's it. Moms, dads, and caregivers are encouraged to join for a story time and art hour that promotes a love of reading for your preschool and pre-K children. Children will hear Native American stories and enjoy hands-on activities that will spark their imaginations. For more information, please call 505-843-7270. What better way to celebrate our community than to honor those who contribute so much to it? That's right, Tamara. And the African American Affairs Annual Outstanding Service Award is coming up soon. That's exciting. It is always a great thing to acknowledge the leaders who are making positive impacts for our community. Yeah, and the event is dedicated to recognizing the individuals and organizations who have made significant contributions towards the improvement for African Americans in the state of New Mexico. They will be honored on June 4th, 2016 at 12 p.m. And don't forget, it will be held at the Sheraton Uptown Albuquerque on 2600 Tulisiana Boulevard Northeast. For further details or info, please contact Beverly Jordan at 505-383-6220. After we honor our community, come celebrate with family at the upcoming Family Pride Celebration. This gathering will be a family-friendly event to honor Albuquerque Pride. There will be music, face painting, games, food trucks, and more. It will be held at Morningside Park on Saturday, June 11th from 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. For more information, please contact the host, Young Women United, at 505-831-8930. Do you want to hear about something that has never been done in Albuquerque? Of course! I love trying new things. What is it? Well, Raw Tools, Inc. will repurpose guns into farm tools using their forge. What a great way to inspire positive change. Albuquerque Mennonite Church has organized this event in collaboration with La Placita Institute, American Friends Service Community, New Mexican Superman Gun Violence, Emmanuel Presbyterian Church, Veterans for Peace, and others to bring attention to gun violence in Albuquerque. The mission of Raw Tools Inc. is to repurpose weapons into hand tools to be used in the creation of something new, preventing the weapons use for violence, and creating a cycle of peace. There will be informational tables, poets, musicians, speakers, and refreshments. Guns into Gardens, from Weapons of Destruction to Tools of Construction, will be coming up on Saturday, June 18th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. This sounds like a such a positive community event. It is hosted and held by La Placita Institute on 831 Isleta Boulevard, Southwest, Albuquerque, New Mexico, 87105. For more information, please call La Placita Institute at 505-508-1802. That's it for this week's community calendar. I'm Erwin Rivera. And I'm Tamara Kalaki. 
Before we get back to our hosts, George and Catery, we play Hair Receding by Eugenia Ribinos. We've reached the end of tonight's program, and we'd like to send a big thank you to Lorraine Archibald of Sesos and Juan Reynosa from Swap for keeping us updated on the Santolina land development. And thank you to Betsy Fullreader of Talking Talons Youth Leadership for sharing all that great info. Production assistance tonight came from Tamara Kalaki, Christina Rodriguez, Polly Denetclaw, Jennifer Lim, Stephanie Bernal, Alden Bruce, and Roberta Rael. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and so much more. Our podcasts are also available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe. We're also active on social media, so be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, the Quinalma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. Coming up next on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned. I'm George Luna Pena. And I'm Kateri Zuni. Join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Peace.